there and welcome to the Little Yarrow podcast. My name is Kate. I'm a naturopath and postpartum doula here to share with you ancient wisdom for modern mothers. Welcome everyone to the Little Yarrow podcast. I'm super excited for today's des- uh, guest, Rachel Reed. Rachel, would you like to say hello and introduce yourself to everyone? Yes, thank you. Um, I'm Rachel Reed. I am... Um... Oh, I'll try, I'll try and keep this short. So I'm a, <laughs> I'm a midwife, um, worked in the UK and Australia in a range of settings. Um, I'm a doctor of philosophy and I guess, and I taught in universities and ran programs teaching midwifery for many years. And I'm currently focusing on reclaiming childbirth and using what I have to do that, which is um, education, knowledge, and trying to kind of rally the rally the cause and, and create some solidarity in the community so that we can reclaim childbirth for women. Mm, wonderful, yeah. Your for those who don't know, um, Rachel's book "Reclaiming Childbirth as a Rite of Passage" is really um, it's really an incredible book. Like I love how it takes you right back, um, you know, before the medicalization of birth, and then it you know tells the story and brings us to the modern day. Um, I was hoping that you could chat a little bit about how how birth has changed over time. You know, when we do look back at our ancestors, because really, like this modern birth in you know in the scheme of things, it's actually not very big you know like so much has changed in such a short amount of time yeah and the reason that I included what I call the her story rather than his story Mm. um, of birth was because I constantly get when I speak or, or teach I constantly get asked why why but why you know and when the students are trying to work out why what they're seeing is happening in the clinical area they're asking why and I felt you can't understand why unless you understand her story kind of the root I guess of the fruits that we're seeing now so I went all the way back right back to kind of the beginning of time and tried to pull together what birth culture has looked like and how it has evolved and you know in a nutshell and I've only used a chapter to do this and there's so much more um, and I focused on the European um, evolution because when colonization happened from Europe, it was that model that was spread across the globe. And that model underpins our modern Western maternity care. So if we go way, way back, um, birth, humans have always birthed with other humans with them, which is interesting because other mammals don't. Mm. Um, But bonobo monkeys do. And they have more similar social and groupings to humans, I guess. So they birth with um, older females. So humans have always done that. So there's always been this sense of needing some support in this transition. And until very recently, it has very much been the collective culture of women at birth, which is a term that was coined by Adrian Wilson, um, who really looked at the European ceremony of, of childbirth in their work. Um, and it, that's what it was. You know, men didn't get to know what was happening and women had all women had the knowledge and the skills to support other women in birth and women would be surrounded by their female relatives and friends when they birthed and the role of the midwife kind of arose probably more like what we see as an obstetrician today in that the midwife was somebody who had specialist skills in supporting physiology but being able to act when things deviated so recognize 
and act, whether that was with herbs, with shamanic chanting, you know, midwifery mm-hmm. actually arose from the shamanic traditions because it way, way back, danger was considered to be outside of the woman. So it was spirits or the yes. environment. So the midwife was very much working with the spirits and the environment to protect the woman. You know, that's very much shifted completely on its head to yes. now. In modern day, we see the woman's body as the danger. And we think that the things that we do to the woman are saving the woman from that. When Mm -hmm. often they're just creating more risk and danger. So we saw a a shift over time when birth moved from that collective culture of women with, you know, where all women were involved in that. It was like, you know, doing the laundry or it was just a skill that women had supporting other women in birth. And midwives were specialists who could manage problems. And then, you know, long story short, it science happened, physicians happened, um, the witch hunts happened, which mm. kind of eliminated a lot of that wise woman knowledge, which was the midwives. Um, and, you know, science could now use tools to rescue babies that maybe couldn't have been rescued through other methods. So then women were moved into hospital. Midwives came under the control of medicine. Nursing actually collaborated with medicine to bring midwifery into nursing in order to control them through medicine. And then what we have today is midwives not working for the community and for women and accountable to the community and religion and state, but midwives are now accountable for the institutions that they work in and their registration boards, not directly the woman. Um, and they are very much working under medicine and within hospitals, not in the community. So there's been a lot of shifts over mm-hmm. time. And you mentioned in your book as well that um, the witch hunts of the Middle Ages still continue today, but it's in, you know, it's in a different format. What did you mean by that? Yeah, so, you know, in in the times of the witch hunts that we know of, um, it was very much physical harm, you know, it was a real threat and a danger and, mm. and women were burned and hung and hunted down literally. Um, and, you know, and the physicians joined with medicine to do that and the feudal lords. So it's like a combination of, of, of groups that were doing that. Today, we have the same thing. You know, if midwives are still hunted in terms of if something happens, if something goes wrong at a home birth, it's a whole different story to if something goes wrong in a hospital setting. Yeah. You know, as, as working in a hospital as a midwife, when things went wrong, there was a real sense of um, protection for the midwife because the midwife was part of the organisation. Yeah. And, you know, everyone battened down and protected the midwife and supported the parents. Whereas in a home birth setting, it's very much what did the midwife do? Why did the woman choose to birth outside of a medical setting? And what did the midwife Mm -hmm. do? And the midwife is held accountable. Um, And, you know, hospitals, certainly in in Australia, have report midwives to the registration board. And and Joe Hunter did um, some research looking at this. It was, it's really awful to to read the, the midwives' stories. But what's happened is the private practice midwives who are providing you know, more traditional community-based support are reported by hospitals, not for bad outcomes, but for simply not working the way that you would Mm. in a hospital. So, you know, not doing blood pressures X amount of times during labor. And they report the midwife and then the midwife's practice is put on hold while they investigate. This is the registration board. And then, you know, nine times out of 10, nothing happens. The registration board turns around to the midwife and says, you didn't do anything wrong. Sorry, carry on. Mm. Meanwhile, that's 18 months of not being able to work. So there's this vexatious reporting happening 
Yeah, and we already have a shortage of like private practice midwives here yeah. in Australia. I know some of the midwives I've spoken to locally have said like we need more we need more midwives in private practice because the demand is starting to increase. More women are looking outside that system, but we need more private practice midwives. So to have, you know, the few that we do have, have their, you know, be put on hold for 18 months to investigate something that's so petty as well. It's really Mm. not good. No, it's not. And women will still home birth and women are still home birthing, but they're having to find different ways to do it because there are not enough midwives to, to go around. Mm, and are some midwives as well choosing to practice unregistered to avoid the whole this whole litigation issue? Well, the problem is that once you've been registered, you can't then just unregister and then practice because you will be held accountable oh. according to the standards of a registered midwife. And that's yeah. kind of been set down in law now after a particular okay. legal case that looked at that. So yeah. if you're already a registered midwife, that's... N- you can do it, and I know midwives do do it, but it's a bit of a it's a bit of a dodgy space to be in. Mm. Um, so instead, what's happening is women who have never been registered as midwives are offering home birth support services. Yeah. Um, and at the moment, in they're not actually in WA, I think, in South Australia, that's illegal. But the rest of the states, it's kind of a loophole that nobody's looked at because you know. Yeah. Yeah, and you you mentioned as well um, in your book that physiological birth is almost extinct in hospitals now, and I was looking at some of those statistics, and they really are quite shocking, and I think a lot of people either don't know or they just think that they're normal kind of rates, you know, when we look at like induction rates and cesareans and all these kind of things. Um, Yeah, do you want to share a bit more about, you know, this this issue of physiological birth just becoming really quite rare in hospital settings. Many midwives have actually never seen or see very rarely actually see, you know, normal physiological births. Yeah. Well, because we're essentially working from graphs and charts that were put in place, you know, with the rise of medicine before evidence base was put in place, a lot of the practices are they're culturally based, not research based. So women are expected to fit their bodies through time frames that were made up way back, which we know by research don't work. Um, so we're trying to get women's bodies to do fit patterns that they don't they don't fit we know they don't fit they don't Mm -hmm. fit physiologically we know by through research that they don't fit those patterns Um, and yet the threshold for supporting any variation to a made-up you know i'm doing quote marks normal is not there so the vast majority of women will have medical or surgical intervention during birth and if we then look at management of the birth of the placenta then that's probably every single woman. Mm. You know, we're talking about less than 1% who would have not even have their placenta medically managed in a hospital setting. So midwives are losing the skills of knowing what physiology is, knowing, understanding the variations and how they differ from complications. Therefore, you know, they don't, they don't need to be intervened with if it's a variation. Yeah. We've just lost all of that knowledge. Mm. Yeah. That's an interesting point because they're not, they're not using these traditional skills and they just lose it. And I guess eventually, you know, in the universities as well, they probably stop teaching a lot of these, um, you know, traditional midwifery skills that have been around because they don't really need to use them, I guess, because they have all these other interventions and drugs and things in place that they just don't teach. Probably a lot of like the older skills. 
Well, the problem is, so in university, we have to teach according to the International Confederation of Midwives. So it has to be woman-centered and it has to be evidence-based. So the curriculums often do include physiology and how to mm-hmm. assess labor through watching the woman and looking for signs of how the hormones shift and her body moves. That's taught, but they don't see it in the clinical area. So the, yeah. you know what they're getting from the clinical area is quite literally being told, that's rubbish, you don't need to know that that's not the real world that you're being taught by a bunch of you know weird hippie (laughs) birth midwives who don't know anything that's seriously what they're told so as a student midwife and you want a job then by the end of the the their degree they're conforming because they want to get a job and they're not going to get a job if they're not really good at doing vaginal examinations and using the technology if they're just you know supporting the woman and advocating for her they'll be considered to be difficult not somebody you want to employ yeah exactly (laughs) Yeah. What? So you mentioned as well um, about childbirth being a rite of passage where transformation occurs no matter how the experience unfolds. So can you explain a bit more about what you meant by that? Yes. So women have numerous rites of passage that that are bodily rites of passage. All humans have rites of passage, but women have, you know, menarche when we start to bleed and become woman, our transition to womanhood. And during um, at the mother phase of our life, and that doesn't mean we're having babies because lots of us don't have babies in our mm. mother phase. But for those of us who are having babies, each birth is a massive transition and rite of passage into mothering that baby. Even a miscarriage or an abortion is a rite of passage. Yeah. Um, and I write about that in the book, How I Align. And this was my PhD was looking at the structure of a rite of passage and how that fits with the physiology of birth. So I kind of aligned the two. And what I meant by however it unfolds is because this uh, there's this idea often that birth has to be physiological and in a particular way and look a particular way for it to be considered a rite of passage, Mm -hmm. which is rubbish. It's a rite of passage, however it happens. If a woman has an elective cesarean section, that is her childbirth rite of passage if a woman has a free birth there's nobody there that is her childbirth rite of passage and each of those women have had a powerful transformation into mother regardless of how it unfolds and I think you know we need to stop attaching um, value and worth to particular ways of birthing of course my specialty is physiology and I'm all a nerd about that I love physiology (laughs) but at the same time a lot of women I have cared for don't give a stuff about physiology or they've ended up with pathology despite the fact they wanted physiology you know they've had a complication and need to be supported through that and it's the transformation is in the kind of surrender to the experience and what is said and done to you during that time and what that reflects and then how you come out feeling at the end of it and a woman can have a really medicalized birth and come out standing in her power and feeling you know that she's amazing um, and feeling really valued and seen as a woman versus you know a woman could have a physiological birth and be treated you know the words that were said to her were terrible and that she comes out of it feeling really disempowered and not able to step into mothering yeah 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 and I also found it really interesting as well you're mentioning how in you know as a modern western you know society we really don't recognize these rites of passage um like a lot you know like we did in the past and like a lot of traditional cultures do whether it's menarche childbirth menopause you know death we just don't it's almost like we diminish them we hide them away we don't talk about them and yeah like what can we do to start 
bringing this awareness because I know, you know, we're seeing this increase now and you're talking about social media as being such a driving force really to help with birth activism and, you know, we're seeing more documentaries coming out like the birth time and everything like that. But what can we do as individuals to really help make this shift? Yeah, and I think that 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 comes down to you know that shit body shame and the dirtiness of women's bodies and that has its roots in her story that I write about as well it's just mm. reflecting through that you know there's no celebration around men are they're, no. they're starting to be women are starting to do that for their daughters um there's you know there's no celebration of the woman and the childbirth rite of passage is very much a celebration of the baby with baby showers and the, yeah. you know, there's no recognition of the mother's transformation and you know I'm going through perimenopause at the moment oh <laughs> that's a completely I, forgotten I, I loved what you wrote about that like I find we just hear this horrible narrative around menopause it just seems like this horrible time that we're going to have to go through and they you know women go crazy and it's kind of like mm-hmm. but the way you wrote about how it's just another transformation like birthing a new version of yourself and shedding things that you know don't serve us anymore and I feel like you know so many women that are in your age group that they feel really lost that they're kind of been robbed of that transformation experience because they don't have that knowledge and support of the community it's really quite mm. sad yeah and and you know from in a patriarchal society as you're transitioning you're not transitioning into into woman which is you know sexual um, value you're not transitioning into mother which is reproduction nurturing value you're transitioning into what you know in a culture that doesn't recognize wisdom um mm. or you know respect age then a lot of women feel very lost in in that yeah. um yeah so back to what we can do yeah <laughs> um i'm very much a, and this is going to be the next um course that i create because i get asked a lot about what we can do it's about really looking at yourself what you mm. bring what your gifts are what your you know challenges are where you where you are in this world you know our sphere of influence I talk about on on the midwives cauldron um looking at who do you and it changes you know my I've shifted from having a sphere of influence that was within universities I'm outside of that now so looking at who am I influencing here and how can I support and the reclaiming of of childbirth or rites of passage or whatever it is that you want to do and how can I it might be really small you know for a student midwife it might just be the words that she uses to communicate to women whereas somebody who's you know running an organization they can put in organizational change you know you're running a podcast people are listening to this Mm. so it's it's all of us doing it how we can on all different in all different areas that's what's going to make a shift yeah I think the more we talk about it as well the more people will start to see that there are other options and there are other ways and the more we don't buy into this you know kind of broken system that you know if we we can't it's just going to be perpetuated if we I guess it's it's almost like you know this term voting with your dollar like if you more and more women make that choice of, um, you know, how they want to navigate this this experience as well, the more, you know, that awareness will be raised and the more hopefully people, women will be listened to rather than ignored. Yeah, and it's, it's about, you know, when we talk to women about their births, ask the woman, what did you learn about yourself 
Yeah. And that's always because you learn something about yourself with every birth, even, you know, the birth of a book, the birth of a project, the birth of a baby. You learn how you create what you need to support yourself for the next birth, maybe. So there's always, mm-hmm. and that's the rite of passage is the kind of, what did you what did you transform? How did you transform? How do you, how did the knowledge about yourself grow? What do you now know that you didn't know beforehand? Yeah. And I love that. Cause I think, I guess that is the basis of what you're saying that, you know, the rite of passage is that tra- transformation every time you're not the same person, you know, whether, as you mentioned, you're birthing children or birthing projects or multiple children, each and every time you go through that, that mm. those challenges and that transformation. And I think, you know, I think, yeah, we've really lost that awareness as a culture. Mm. Yeah. But, yeah, thank you so much for, thank you just for everything you do. And I think it's really wonderful to see, like, there's so many wonderful midwives like yourself that are really stepping up and sharing this information and sharing this knowledge and empowering women. And, yeah, I'm just so grateful for your work. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Rachel. Do you want to share your, so Rachel has a podcast. Do you want to share the details of your podcast and your social media? Oh, yes. So you can find me at Midwife Thinking on Instagram or Facebook or my website, which is just www.rachelreed.website. And I um, co-host the Midwives Cauldron with Katie. That's very much Katie's baby. <laughs> and I'm kind of just going, I'm the doula for that one. Um, so that's the Midwives Cauldron. Um, and we interview other people and sometimes we do shows together. And I've known Katie since we were baby midwives. Our our, our um, rite of passage into midwifery, we did that together many years mm-hmm. ago. That's nice. Yeah. And, and your book as well, do you want to share? Oh, yeah. So my book is, book. yeah, Reclaiming Childbirth as a Rite of Passage um, is my kind of, I've just consolidated all of my work and and my PhD into a, into a book. Um, and I'm currently running an online course, Childbirth Physiology, that is just purely talking through the physiology of childbirth, trying to reclaim mm. that knowledge. So that's, you know, the book and the course, anyone it's accessible to anybody, whether you're working in birth or whether you're a woman planning a birth, whether yeah. you're a partner supporting a woman, it's it's all applicable. Yeah, wonderful. Thank you so much, Rachel. Thank have you. A, have a lovely day. And you. Bye. Bye.